my dear listeners, and welcome to Counter Melody. It is I, your host, Daniel Gundlach, and as always, I'm committed to bringing you the voices of beloved singers, often focusing on unexpected facets of their artistry. You will also be hearing less celebrated but equally treasurable artists who deserve our attention and respect. I'm honored to have you join me on this ongoing mutual journey of discovery. And now, without any further ado, let's get down to today's business. Great singers and great singing. Hi everyone, welcome to today's episode of Counter Melody. Those of us who have any connection with the U.S., whether as citizens, expats, friends, or simply citizens of the world, probably heaved an enormous sigh of relief this past week as the new president and vice president were sworn in. I'm not a big fan of patriotic songs, but I do think that it's important to acknowledge this transition. I was speaking to David about what might be a nice song to feature that would reflect this feeling, and he suggested Harold Arlen and Yip Harburg's Right as the Rain. I grew up with a recording of Barbara singing this, and I love it with all my heart, but I also love Vicki Clark, and I think this performance is truly special and gives us a moment to catch our breath, heave a sigh of relief before we start the work that looms ahead of us. This is from her extraordinary 2007 release, 15 Seconds of Grace.
Now on to today's program. I'm adopting a slightly new format today. I'm going to be breaking the episode in two, if you will, and featuring the second portion as a bonus episode for my Patreon subscribers. So, for those of you who would like to access all of the material, please consider becoming a Patreon subscriber of Countermelody at patreon.com countermelody. Bonus material is available to subscribers at all monthly levels from $2 on up. And now, I present to you a singer who has been on my radar for maybe the last 20 years, but perhaps some of you haven't heard of her. And therefore, for those of you who don't yet know her, I am thrilled to present to you the Norwegian soprano Ede Morena. Here she is, singing Handel's Kareseve.
Care Selve seems to bring out the very best in the sopranos that sing it. There are matchless recordings by Alma Gluck, by Leontine Price, by Florence Quartararo, and this one by Norina, which for me, listening to it again, I almost feel is the supreme matchless, simply couldn't be bettered version. So for those of you who don't know of her, let me tell you a little bit about this extraordinary lyric coloratura soprano. Kaya Ede Norena was born in 1884. Her birth name was Carolina Hansen. Her father was a Navy man who died when she was barely eight years old. Eventually, her voice was noticed singing in the church choir, and when she was 14, she sang for the Norwegian soprano Ellen Gulbranson, who offered her vocal advice. A number of years later, she began her vocal study in earnest, and in 19 made her concert debut. Following that, she began a studying voice with Ellen Gulbranson and again made some important concert and opera debuts. One of her first breakthroughs was singing, perhaps surprisingly, Madama Butterfly at the National Opera in Norway. In the same year, she married Egil Ede, who was one of the leading actors of the same national theater, and they began making concert tours together across the country. With the national theater, she sang roles such as the title role in Mignon, Rosina in Barbara of Seville, and eventually Violetta in La Traviata, Mimi in La Bohème, and Gilda in Rigoletto, three roles which remained in her repertoire for the duration of her career. Eventually, she began studying with the teacher Raymond von der Mühlen in London. It was he who helped her develop her technique and strengthen her voice, and at the age of 40, break into the international opera market. Up until this time, though she was a very important singer in Norway, her career was mostly a provincial one. Here's a recording from 1911 of the Pages aria from Meyerbeer's Les Huguenots, sung in Norwegian. As you hear, there's a certain facility, but really lack of depth if I were to hear this voice without knowing anything about it, I would not be terribly impressed. So it's very interesting to realize that around this very time, she was singing roles like Tatiana in Eugene Onegin. So even at this early stage of her career, she was capable of, or could at least manage, heavier repertoire. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> 
Raimund von der Mühlen evidently taught her the Marchese method of singing. Armed with this newfound ease, strength, and facility, she auditioned at the age of 40 for La Scala. She was hired to sing Gilda under the baton of Arturo Toscanini. It was he who suggested that she take on the stage name Norena. I don't know where that idea came from, but it was he who made the suggestion. She retained some of the lighter roles throughout, nearly through the end of of her second career, if you will, which lasted until 1938. I have two examples of her charming way with Mozart. First is Blondchen's second act aria from Die Entführung aus dem Serail, but here it's sung in French, so L'Enlèvement du Serail. This is a recording made in 1934. The conductor here, as in most of the recordings that we're hearing today, is the Italian conductor and sometime composer Piero Coppola. You'll notice that she skirts the high E in this aria. I'm willing to forgive that because there are so many things that are so right about this charming performance. Here's an excerpt from her Non Mi Dir from Don Giovanni, again sung in French. In fact, it was the flip side of this 78. So on one side you had Blondchen, and on the other side you have Don Anna. Clearly the role is very much on the heavy side for her, and in fact one likes to hear, at least I like to hear, a heavier voice in this repertoire, but what I find so remarkable is her phrasing and the ease with which she tosses off the coloratura. 
Scriptura, something that she didn't have in 1911. Clearly, this is bolstered by a supreme musicianship. I love, for instance, on the scales down from the staccati, the way that she does these very natural diminuendi, based not on the weakness of her lower range, because in fact, it's a very strong lower range, as we will hear in some other selections, but rather a musical choice that works very well for the character. lights of fancy that she takes. I never want to hear them sung any differently. Sort of kidding, but I do like it for a change. Norena's career post La Scala took her to Covent Garden, Chicago, the Met, other major venues, and yet she found her home in Paris, where she was beloved by the public. I mentioned that she had sung Tatiana from Eugene Onegin. She also sang a few other roles from the Russian repertoire, albeit in French translation. Here's one of them, the Golden Cockerel, or Le Coq d'Or, as it's generally called, Rimsky-Korsakov's last opera, and one which I would say is really overdue for revival. This is the so-called Hymn to the Sun that's sung by the lead soprano, the Queen of Shemakha in this beautiful 1932 recording. Oh, <laughs> 
Surprisingly, perhaps, it was Nellie Melba who had a hand in helping Norena gain entry to Covent Garden. I don't know the whole story of this, but I have seen this mentioned in many articles and postings that I found about Norena. Here she sings a song that was written for Melba by her pianist and sometime composer named Hermann Bemberg. For those of you who follow such things, there's a gossipy story about him being discovered in a dressing room with the French bass Paul Plançon in Delicto Flagrante, if you will. We don't talk about such things on this podcast, so I'm not even going to mention it. The reason I chose this song called Nymph et Sylvain, which is admittedly utter fluff, is because it shows the complete ease of her coloratura and also her immense charm. In 1933, Ede Norena made her debut at the Metropolitan Opera. She had a large following, even though she sang only 18 complete opera performances there, in roles from Bohème, Romeo et Juliette, Faust, Rigoletto, and Traviata. She also gave a number of concerts at venues like Town Hall during that period. In 1937, she was featured on a radio broadcast to provide support for the Red Cross. The Ohio River flooded, and many people were killed. More than a million people were left homeless, and property damages reached into the multiple millions. NBC Radio broadcast a relief concert for the benefit of the Red Cross and those who were suffering in the 1937 flood. 
has featured artists such as Lawrence Tibbet, Al Jolson, John McCormack, and, perhaps surprisingly, Ede Norena, who sang this song known as the Norwegian Echo Song by the Schubert contemporary Valdemar Trane. Here's the introduction and her performance. Our Red Cross NBC rally now turns to a real star of the operatic stage, Aidan Norena. Miss Norena will sing for us her Norwegian Echo Song. Lorena often featured work by Norwegian composers on her concerts. One of these was the composer Agathe Bakker Grundal, who was a pianist and prolific composer who lived from 1847 to 1907. Norena's recording of Bakker Grundal's song Mot Kvelt, or At Sunset, was well known on Norwegian radio, where it was frequently broadcast through the 1960s and contributed to her ongoing fame in that country. I'm playing it here because you get to hear the wonderful way in which her lower register is quite naturally knit into the rest of her voice.
Norena became a fluent exemplar of French style. We hear this in both her opera and her song recordings. Here's a 1933 recording of Gabrielle Fauré's Après un rêve, that ever-popular song. I really want to draw your attention to her extraordinary legato. This, I think, is the cornerstone of her technique. The way she binds one note into the next, she provides one of the very best examples throughout her late recorded output of exactly how to sing legato. One of Norena's French roles at the Met was Antonia in Les Contes d'Hoffmann of Offenbach, The Tales of Hoffmann. Here she is singing a portion of Antonia's aria, Elle a fui la tourterelle. This recording's from 1932. Again, it's Piero Coppola conducting. And by the way, I just want to say about Coppola. No, he's not related to Carmine Coppola or Francis Ford Coppola. But he was an assistant of Tullio Serafin and then moved to France, where he became particularly known for his interpretations of Debussy and Ravel. In fact, his 1932 recording of Ravel's Tombeau de Couperin won the Grand Prix du Disque. Throughout these recorded 
arias and songs, we hear his great sense of musical drive and thrust and understanding when to give, when to hold back. And it seems as if he and Norena had, at least in the recording studio, a very successful collaboration. When I was trying to come up with a theme song for season two of Counter Melody, I seriously considered using Norena's recording of the Jewel song from Faust. I eventually decided against that because I like the idea of having Claudia Muzio being my vocal thumbprint for the series. But I think that Norena sings the Jewel song, which is hardly one of my favorite arias. She sings it probably better than almost anyone else I've ever heard do it. The incredible exactitude of her trill, her ease with the coratura, and the way that she uses this vocal accomplishment to reveal the character of Marguerite to us. I think it's really sublime. And the way she just zooms up to this high B at the end and then just holds it. Thank you. Thank you very much. You people who are listening for a wonderful way to approach this aria, voila, look no further than this 1933 recording, again, conducted by Coppola. Oh, my God. 
greatest assumptions was Ophélie in Ambroise Thomas' opera of Hamlet. She did two extended excerpts from this opera. The first is the scene which begins with the words, Sa main du puisière n'a pas touché le mien, since yesterday his hand has not touched mine. It's not as flashy a scene as the mad scene, but we're going to hear short excerpts from each of these more than eight minute long recordings. So from that first scene, I'm going to take you from the words Il garde le silence, he remains silent through the end of the scene. Thank you. 
That recording was from 1933. Three years earlier, Norena recorded the very famous Mad Scene. I'm going to offer you a portion of the last section of this scene. I want you to hear how she uses, again, her vocal precision merely as a means to an end, always expressing the situation and the character that she is portraying. mentioned that Norena's Met debut was in 1933. From that same year, I'm offering you the second of Mimi's arias, Donde Lieta Uschi. She recorded both of the arias and in Italian this time. Both recordings are wonderful. I particularly love the way that she sings the third act aria. Some people, including Olin Downs in the New York Times, felt that Mimi was possibly Norena's finest impersonation.
There's a store on West 18th Street in New York called Academy Records. It is and remains my favorite place in New York, bar none. I spent many, many hours there and spent Boku bucks purchasing all manner of CDs, most of them of great singers of the past, in fact. One of those things that I purchased was a four-CD set on the now-defunct Lise label called Aide Norena Intégrale du Sonéritage, which purported to be the complete recordings of Aide Norena. It actually isn't. It's just her complete recordings from the years 1929 through 1938. But what a treasure trove it is. Is. Most of the recordings that I'm playing for you today come from that very set. About a year and a half ago, as I was starting to think about the kinds of singers that I wanted to feature on my podcast, I spent one summer evening listening to two full CDs from this set, with the windows open, looking out onto the street, with the voice of Norena coming into my ears from my headphones, and this recording of Violetta's Act One scene struck me as being one of the very best, most accomplished, most perceptive versions that I had ever heard, and I finally get to offer it to you. Here's a portion of that scene, the A Forse Lui Sempre Libera scene, sung this time also in Italian, with Piero Coppola again conducting in this 1932 recording.
I remember my teacher, John Wustman, that lover of big voices, more than once, saying to me while I studied with him that Bidou Sayal, the Brazilian soprano, was the one small-voiced singer that he enjoyed listening to. He said that she had a technique that even when you were sitting in the last row of the old Metropolitan Opera House, you could hear her clearly. I'm also a big fan of Sayao, and while I think that Norena actually has a more naturally beautiful voice, they share that quality in common, that they had this ability to project their relatively small voices throughout the house. Because of this aptitude, Norena was able to take on a number of roles which, by nature, she really should not have been suited to. One of these is the role of Mathilde in Rossini's Guillaume Tell. This is the second act aria of Mathilde, Sombre Forêt, in a 1930 recording conducted this time by the conductor Henri de Fossé.
relatively late addition to Norena's repertoire was the role of Desdemona in Otello, which she sang in Paris at Covent Garden, paired with singers such as Martinelli. In late 1937, she was supposed to sing Desdemona at the Met. I don't know exactly what happened, but she ended up being replaced by Elisabeth Redberg, who by nature is more vocally suited to the part. Yet, listen to this recording. This is from 1938. It's one of her last recordings, if not her last recording, of the Willow Song portion of Desdemona's Shena from the final act. I find so much color, so much depth of interpretation. She also recorded this in 1932 in French. I find this later version has, first of all, the imprimatur of being in Italian, and second of all, it shows, if anything, even deeper artistry. Thank you. 
the episode with two of my very favorite recordings by Ede Norena. The first is Liu's seldom heard aria from the last act of Turandot. This is called Tanto Amore Segreto. In this 1932 recording, we hear the enormous technical control that she uses to express the depth of feeling of this admittedly problematic character. Her singing here calls to mind, at least to my ear, that of the Austrian soprano Lotte Schöne, another great lyric coloratura who also sang roles that extended outside of that Fach. Liu, for example, and particularly Madama Butterfly. Both of these singers possess a voice of similar weight, coupled with a very strong technique. Both of them, as I say, were memorable Liu's, and both of them have extraordinary recordings of this seldom-heard aria, Tanto Amore Segreto. those of you who have enjoyed listening to Ede Norena, might I suggest that you join me on Patreon for the bonus episode, which I am posting at the same time that I'm posting this episode. That bonus episode will feature Ede Norena as Juliette, the role for which we have the most extensive phonographic documentation of Ede Norena, both studio and live recordings. So tune in there to the Patreon episode and give it a listen. 
10 months ago when it became clear that we were entering into the great unknown vis-a-vis this pandemic, I actually featured this recording of Ede Norena singing the Greek song Voren, or Spring, in the first of a series of episodes called Music for a World in Crisis. Well, we're still in crisis. There's some light at the end of the tunnel, but there are a lot of things that have not yet been resolved. For those who live in the northern regions of the globe, spring has a particular significance and poignancy because one has been living in the dark literally for so long in this poem the poet delights in the spring while at the same time musing that this might be the last spring that he ever sees edvard grieg is one of the great melodists and the poignancy of this tune cuts right through to my heart as does norena's singing in her native language Thank you so much for joining me. It has been my honor and pleasure to bring you this great singer. Kaya Ide Norena. Until next time, my dears. Keep the song in your hearts. I'm Daniel Gundlach.